Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you're here today for this episode of Revelation, God Rules. It's episode 10, The Rise of the Antichrist, for Sunday, March 19th, 2023. We're glad you're here. Now, I'm going to explain where I believe the world is in regard to the appearance of the Antichrist and his global government at the end of the episode. So stick and stay and earn the pay. You know what? The best interpretation of Bible prophecy is the Bible. The best teacher of Bible prophecy is the Holy Spirit who breathed out the prophecy. So, We're going to rely on that in this episode. So if you have a Bible handy, you can look up some of the passages I'm going to mention. If not, you can jot them down and read them yourself, although we're going to read a good bit of it here and let the Bible interpret the Bible, a very safe way to understand the Bible. Now, I'm quoting from Precept Bible Studies in Austin, Texas, that some particular precept group there in Austin has put their work online, and that is wonderful. Now, I'm quoting a paragraph as they begin to teach about Revelation 13. And by the way, if you don't know what a precept Bible study is, it's by Precept Ministries, founded by Jack and Kay Arthur, and it teaches inductive Bible study. That is, it teaches anyone who applies themselves how to actually understand and properly interpret the Bible. I highly recommend it. But I'm quoting a paragraph at the introduction to the precept study of Revelation 13 from the precept, uh, local precept ministries in Austin, Texas. Now the scene shifts to describe a beast who also has seven heads and ten horns, who is closely identified with the dragon. He and another beast institute a series of satanically empowered deceptions, which bring the whole world under the sway of the beast with seven heads and ten horns, and ultimately Satan. This is the rise of the Antichrist, whose activities are key to the 70th week of Daniel. By now, the restrainer has been taken out of the way, resulting in the departure of the church in the rapture. Thus, believers today will not see the rise of the beast and the events of this chapter, for they are to watch for the imminent return of Christ, not the rise of the Antichrist. Even so, multitudes will come to faith during this period of intense persecution as the message of the various witnesses which God is specially equipped for the time of the end goes forth. So I quoted from the introduction to Revelation 13 by the local precept ministries in Austin, Texas. And I thought that was a very concise description of where we've come to at this point in our study in the book of the Revelation as we come to chapter 13. Now, question. 
is the first beast of Revelation 13 a king or a kingdom? Hmm. Answer, yes. <laughs> but Pastor Ed, you didn't answer. Is it a king or a kingdom? Yes. And here's an example. Adolf Hitler was Nazi Germany. And Nazi Germany was Hitler. Both ended together, I can assure you. That is the same idea here. The first beast that we see that we call the Antichrist, the first beast is a kingdom, but it is also a king. It's very clear that this is a person and it represents the final human government of the world, which will actually be a global government, which has never been, been instituted ever in world history. So that would be a first. This is the another who comes in his own name, who Jesus spoke of in John 5, verse 43. And I'm going to read that. Jesus said in John 5, 43, I am come in my Father's name and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. So he was speaking there of the coming Antichrist, the beast, that we're going to see uh, the initial rise of here in Revelation chapter 13. This is the final human kingdom and final human king that will be crushed by Jesus Christ when he returns. And we see this in Daniel chapter 2. We see this in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapters 9 through 10, and again in Revelation chapter 19. It's all the same thing. And it's talking about that final human king that final human government, which, which will in fact be a global government, unheard of, but it will happen. It is that king and that global government that the Lord Jesus Christ will utterly destroy when he returns in the second coming. This is the fulfillment of a now 2,500-year-old prophecy of a coming false messiah who comes to power and deceives Israel and the entire world. Daniel spoke about that about 500 years before the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth and was born in Bethlehem. This is the ultimate combination of a leader, capital L, and Lucifer, that's Satan, of course. This is the ultimate combination of a leader and Lucifer as a false Messiah. In fact, the Apostle John, who authored, well, he didn't author it. He wrote down the book of the Revelation. The Lord Jesus Christ authored it, of course. But John wrote it down. That same John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many 
Antichrist, whereby we know that it is the last time. Now, you'll remember if you've listened for a long time to this week in the Word that I've often referred uh, to and used the German word zeitgeist. Zeitgeist is the spirit of the age, okay? It's the, it's the thinking, the prevailing philosophy, the world outlook. It's just the way the world works in any particular time uh, in history. Well, the zeitgeist of the age we're in now can best be summed up by a famous quote by Paul Henry Spock, who was the first president of the United Nations General Assembly. He was the first president of the European Parliament, and he was actually one-time secretary general of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO. So this was a very important person, the way the world looks at important people. Spock said this, we do not need another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people and to lift us out of the economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, and be he God or devil, we will receive him. Wow. Then you think about the infamous WEF, the World Economic Forum, and their constant drumbeat about the Great Reset and blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible talks about a Great Reset, but it's actually called the Great Tribulation. That's what's coming. Now, there may be some, you know, flimsy human effort called the Great Reset. That's nothing. I mean, it'll be bad, but that's nothing. The Great Tribulation is coming for this world. How soon? We don't know that. But we, I'll tell you what, we're one day closer than we were yesterday. Think about that. So they talk about the Great Reset. The Bible talks about the Great Tribulation. And you know what's coming ultimately? is the glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ. This world needs Jesus to run it. Your life needs Jesus to run it, and so does mine. Now, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 13, yes, we read a lot of the Bible here. <laughs> Imagine that, a preacher actually preaching from the Bible. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 13, the Apostle Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he wrote this, and he's talking about the Antichrist, all right? Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So someone is restraining his appearance. That would be the Holy Spirit holding him back, and I think that's through the the presence of the church in the world. Well, when the church is removed from the world, 
The Holy Spirit, of course, doesn't leave, but that restraining ministry, the Holy Spirit exercised uh, through the church or with the church is removed, and then he's revealed. So then he goes on and says in verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth, that means restrain the Holy Spirit, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So he will be satanically, supernaturally impressive and persuasive with his ability to deceive people with these false miracles and so forth. All right, verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. In Greek, it's they should believe the lie. And the, the ultimate the lie is this antichrist is God. In other words, this, this false messiah, antichrist, is actually Jesus Christ uh, come back or reincarnated or resurrected or whatever they're going to say. And actually, he's the Antichrist. It's not Jesus Christ. But the world is going to be taken in by this deception. Now, verse 13 says this, uh, 12 says this, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, watch verse 13. It's beautiful. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. That, that is, we, we are not in the crowd as Christians, you know, true Christians, who will be deceived and taken in by the Antichrist because we love the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And it's great because actually the way I understand Scripture, and I've studied it a lot, the church is taken out of this world before all of this happens. Now, I was talking about letting Scripture interpret Scripture. We've kind of been doing that and what we've already been reading, but this is mainly what I was thinking of right here. We're going to read from the, and you don't have to turn back if you have your Bible even, you can listen. But we're going to go back to Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. Now, when, when what I'm about to read was written, it was, I think it was roughly something like, uh, it was five, the late 500s B.C., Okay, I don't know the exact year. Somebody can figure that out. I'm not good at that. But it was about 500 years before John wrote the book of the Revelation. So for five centuries before the apostle John wrote the Revelation, as it was given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jewish people who 
really love the word and love the Lord, they knew all about what we're about to read. So John would have known about this as well. All right, so we read in Daniel 7, verses 1 through 8. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. So this would have been the um, late, late 500s and even early 600s. Uh, Am I doing that right? (laughs) I'm getting all mixed up because that's before the Lord came. So let's just leave it at, it's about 500 years uh, before. All right, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. This is often how the Lord communicated to the great prophet Daniel while he was sleeping. So Daniel has this dream, and there's uh, apparently there's several parts of this dream, these visions he has shown. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. So we, we see this sea mentioned here. And the four winds of heaven, just they have it in a mess. You don't have the sea and a, a, a big hurricane is just a rolling sea, massive waves. I mean, you'd have to be crazy to sail into that, right? This is what he sees. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. So these were beasts that were, that were unlike each other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. Now we know from the book of Daniel itself, this refers to the kingdom of Babylon that he was captive to, but specifically to King Nebuchadnezzar because this literally happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. And you can read the story in the prophet Daniel. So we also know from digging around in Babylon that a winged lion was commonly used in Babylon on their walls, their gates, everywhere you can imagine was a winged lion representing the kingdom of Babylon. So he sees Babylon as this kingdom. Verse five, and behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it, and they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. So this represents the Medo-Persian Empire. The Medo-Persian Empire. Verse six, After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. We know from history and the book of Daniel, this represents the kingdom of Greece, especially Alexander the Great, which ultimately 
after he died, his kingdom was divided among his four generals. So clearly, that's the kingdom of Greece. Verse 7, after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamp the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had 10 horns. I considered the horns and behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, And this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things. Now that talks uh, in historical terms about, guess what, the Roman Empire. Uh, You know, when you think about Babylon, Babylon is a great empire, but when the Medo-Persians came to power and they're represented by a a, uh, leopard and Alexander the Great, the speed with which Alexander the Great's armies uh, covered the the Middle East and even to India and conquered was so impressive. And of course, before that, the Medo-Persian Empire with the, the bear that was mentioned. And, and then this fourth beast, which is not described in animal terms, but it's something that is almost beyond description, but its teeth were described as iron teeth. And when it tore into an enemy, it just stamped it into pieces and demolished it. That would be the Roman Empire. Uh, One of my favorite Bible prophecy teachers is the great Lee Brainerd. If you don't know who I'm talking about, uh, search him on YouTube. You will love his ability to study the Word of God. (laughs) He made this great point. Listen to this. He said that when, when Rome, you know, if Rome came against you and you fought them a little bit and said, oh, okay, we give up. You know, it wouldn't go too bad with you. But if you resisted Rome, like as a country, Rome got an attitude on about it. And they would not only defeat you in battle, they would utterly decimate you and destroy your entire civilization and transplant a Roman culture where yours used to exist. I mean, it's sort of like... Um, like Lee Brainer was saying, like, let's say a bear, you know, he, he eats the soft entrails of his enemy that he's killed, but like Rome just won't give it up, right? But I want you to know something. Notice that in even what Daniel talked about, he talked about the, the 10 horns. Let's see what we got here. Let me reread that. Let me read that part. All right. Uh, After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Then he mentions in verse 8, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. So I would say this means like this horn is like, ah, who, who cares about him? I mean, he's a nobody. Well, this little horn emerges, but the interesting thing is that he displaces, he defeats uh, three of those first 10 horns. He defeats them. 
And he says here, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of men and a mouth speaking great things. So this is no ordinary political leader. This is somebody who takes out three of the 10 that are referred to. And this is no doubt the revival of the Roman Empire just before the Lord Jesus Christ returns, where there will be a global government. Now, Rome was never global when it first existed. You say, well, Hasn't that empire disappeared and died? Uh, No, it's just in a coma. But it's going to come out of the coma, and it's going to be revived, but it won't be limited just to the Mediterranean world. Indeed, that great defeating, crushing power of the Roman Empire will conquer the entire world, and it will be headed up by, guess who? The little horn. And this horn had eyes, that is, intelligence, And it was able to, uh, not only did it have that intelligence, but it was, um, and where am I here? Let me see. It had a mouth speaking great things. So it was anti-God or anti-Jesus. Now, now that we've seen that and and we've let Daniel say what he says, now we're going to begin to make our way to Revelation 13. Now again, When we start, we're going to see the sea mentioned, a tumultuous world system where nobody's happy, especially people who are in charge of things and in charge of governments. Have you ever noticed how the leaders of the governments of the world, they're all mad about something and they're usually mad at their own citizens and and they're mad at other leaders in their country and they're just mad. That's because that's the zeitgeist of the age, people. That's what a lost world is like. You put uh, two lost people in a room, pretty soon World War III is going to break out, all right, eventually. It's going to happen. Now, I've noticed something today, and I, I diverge a little bit. You know, I go to a different topic here. But I noticed today that even just common people seem to be in a rage. Now, what I'm about to say, this is not, you know, a grumpy old man, get off my lawn! That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is like, I've noticed drivers are really, really, really bad today. This is not like, yeah, nobody knows how to drive. Well, everybody already says that. We've been saying that ever since people have driven. We already know that. But I've I've noticed something though that in the last, let's say, two or three years, more and more people are using their cars like a weapon. I mean, people are in a rage today. Hey, when you're tailgated in a parking lot, you know folks have lost it. The other day, this is a true story, I'm in this pizza place. I look out, this woman gets in her car, which is backed in, throws a pizza in or whatever. I kid you not, she cranks the car. And within about a tenth of a second, She's going about 30 miles an hour in a tiny parking lot. I was just thinking, like, what is wrong with you? I mean, if one little kid had run out, you know, between cars, she would have smacked that kid dead, and then she would have gone to prison for the rest of her life. But, I mean, I'm sure to her it made sense, but I'm thinking, hey, nobody drove like that when I was a little kid. I mean, that's totally nuts. And I don't know if you've noticed, or at least where I live, everybody wants to go the same speed you're going, but a little bit faster, 10 feet off your bumper. That's insanity. I mean, that's wrecks waiting to happen right there. 
And I'm just telling you, that's just one example. But let's go to Revelation 13, verses 1 through 18. We're going to read this entire chapter first, and then we're going to come back and only break down about, I think, about three verses. Revelation 13, verses 1 through 18. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns... Ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months." And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints." And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed." And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that, that, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that understandeth, excuse me, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man 
and his number is 603 score and 6. All right, so let's go back to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. This is the same thing that Daniel saw. And John is also given this same vision. Notice it's exactly the same. Having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his name, upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. Now, he goes on to say in verse 2, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So let's stop right here. Let's break all of this down. So John sees the same thing Daniel was shown 500 years earlier from when the apostle John wrote this. Now it's 2,500 years ago from us. So this is a long time ago to us, and it was even also to the apostle John. So John sees this beast rise up out of the sea. Now, by the way, in Daniel 2, the kingdoms of the world, same ones, are shown as a great image. You'll remember that if you go back and read Daniel 2. But that's how the world sees political leaders and kingdoms. Hey, ain't they great? <laughs> the way God looks at worldly world leaders and world kingdoms is they're a bunch of pagan animals. They're wild animals. So that's why the kingdoms here and in Daniel 7 are described as wild beasts, wild animals. So we see again, he said, the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Well, we saw that in Daniel's vision. Now John is seeing it in reverse order because when Daniel prophesied it, it was going to happen in Daniel's future or in the future. When John writes it, it's happened in the past. So John goes in reverse order. He mentions this leopard and his feet were as the feet of a bear. So we see mentioned right there, we see the uh, speed of Alexander's Greek armies and we see the feet of a bear and that was the Medo-Persians and the mouth of a lion, and that was Babylon, see, in reverse order. But notice here that this, this beast that John sees rise out of the sea, it has all of these qualities of those former kingdoms, and yet it's an even more fearsome animal. It's a more fearsome beast, because this beast, it says the dragon, who is that? That's Satan. Remember that from... Uh, Revelation 12. Go back and listen to a, a couple of episodes back, one or two back, and you'll hear all about that. I think it's last week's episode. So this dragon gives this final world leader and his final world kingdom, which is a revival of the Roman Empire, which right now is on uh, life support, but it's going to come back. Say, so will it look exactly like the Roman Empire before, where they march around in mini skirts and and uh, and you know have broadswords and all that, probably not. But it'd be the basic thing. 
And I want you to think about this. Now, I live, my dad was a soldier, so I lived a little bit in Germany. I'm telling you, man, the Roman Empire, in a, in a way, is alive and well. A lot of our laws, a lot of the way we look at life is still prevalent in Western civilization from the Roman Empire. But one day, this final world kingdom will be put back together, and we believe it will be a revived Roman Empire. And it will have the, the most, uh, let's say, the fiercest parts of all of previous empires will be summed up into this final global government. But notice that the leader of it speaks blasphemy, and on his head he has a name of blasphemy. He hates God. He may talk a lot about God, but actually he hates God. And he gets his power that is, uh, that is his ability to get things done, and his seat, that is his throne, it comes from Satan, and great authority. So that exousia in Greek is the, the authority to rule, okay? He gets that from who? From Satan, from Lucifer, from the dragon. So he will ultimately be actually indwelt by Satan, though he starts out as a, as a mere man, but I, I think a mere man who worships Satan. And he will do or say whatever he has to do or say in order to gain control. Now, he will come, I believe we see uh, in, in the totality of prophetic scripture, he will deceive Israel, he will guarantee their security, a temple will be rebuilt, but it's for the whole purpose that when he's assassinated and rises from the dead, how will that happen? I don't know. It is a satanic miracle. However it happens, the world is taken in completely, and then he will demand to be worshipped, and he will sit in that newly rebuilt temple where he ought not to be and proclaim that he is God, and the entire world must worship him. Now, as much as it pains me and you, we're going to have to stop right there because I've determined to go through Revelation 13 over the next few episodes a little at a time so that we can fully, well, I don't know if we'll fully understand it, but we can better understand Revelation 13 and who this Antichrist is. You know, when I was a little boy, there was a TV show on in the late 1960s called Time Tunnel. I think you can still see that if you search for it on YouTube. Now, let's get in a time tunnel. When is all of this going to happen? I don't know, but I think it's getting closer and closer and closer every single day. We hear all the talk about the global elites, about a great reset. They even, in their minds, have the world divided into 10 regions. We just read about 10 kings. And the kings, a king is not actually elected. A king takes over. <laughs> So it may be that with all these people that are, have immense wealth, maybe they're planning to divide up the world and run it. Some people think that. But anyway, they want a great reset. That's not a conspiracy theory. They say it. That's what they say. Open your ears and your eyes. We are seeing massive earthquakes. 
one after another on the high end of the Richter scale. Jesus said this would be a sign before he returns. We are seeing famine begin to sweep the world and we haven't seen anything yet. We are seeing natural disasters and man-made disasters occurring on a regular basis. What used to be moral is now immoral and what used to be immoral is now moral. Everything is upside down, including the alphabet community and all kind of things you can think of, just crazy things. We are hearing of wars and rumors of wars, and it appears that World War III is just about to break out. We live in an increasingly, uh, what can be called a surveillance society, where everything we think, say, and do can be monitored the rise of central bank digital currency and the elimination of cash is in the near future of the world, possibly the collapse of the banking system that we're starting to see Maybe uh, it's sort of like never let a crisis go to waste. Maybe that's gonna be used to introduce digital money only, or maybe it's actually being done on purpose. I don't know, but it's happening and it could open the door to losing cash. Say, well, so what? I don't even use cash. Well, that's up to you. But I'll tell you what, the day people can no longer get their money first themselves and then decide what to do with their own money, that's the day freedom ends. If all money is digital, your life can be controlled with the click of a mouse against you if you do not do exactly as you're told. And I think the collapse of the banking system, the start of it that we're seeing now, is going to be used, whether it's intentional or not, I can't prove that, but it's going to ultimately be used to create a new banking system with no cash and therefore no freedom because you have to please those who are in control or your money will be frozen. So well, that can't happen. Already has happened several times. Ask farmers in Canada about what happened to them when they protested their government. If you don't know what I'm talking about, shame on you. You do not even know about the world in which you're living. Listen, people, if you're not saved, it's time to get saved, period. If you are saved, it's time to live like you're saved and share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. So if you're saved, I mean be real saved and get the word out while we still have an opportunity. Now, some of you who listen, you have questions. You need to talk with someone. Call this number and a counselor will help you. 888-388-2683. 888-388-2683. Listen, if the Lord doesn't come first, and the World Economic Forum doesn't double tap me, <laughs> something else terrible happens to me. Hey, if I commit suicide, I didn't do it to myself. How about that? <laughs> if Satan can get to me first or the deep state or something doesn't happen or I just don't naturally die, I'll be back next week with episode number 11 in Revelation, God Rules. Like this episode, like the podcast, and share it with someone right now. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.